It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. All right, welcome aboard. Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast with uh, Dennis and uh, Brady. And uh, we're going to uh, do our uh, our top ten show, or one of our top ten shows. We like doing top ten shows. Well, yes, it is a um, it is good stuff for this time of year now that we're done and well we were hoping to have this out last friday but yeah it's it's gonna it's out today now and a lot of good stuff dennis i don't know if you saw this but something that we probably won't talk about today but this might be a topic for wednesday show is did you see that there are talks of combining the NCTL and the GTCs. Yeah, I did uh, see a, a, a post on Twitter or something, maybe Saturday evening. I, I saw it, and um, it's it's an interesting concept. Um, I'm not quite sure how it would work out because for a lot of those teams, it actually makes sense to play eight-man football, but you're, you're going to have a hard time convincing people in Ubley, Harbor Beach, well, I, Sandusky I to want to play eight-man football. The, the specifics. I'm assuming football would be a different outlier with that, with, you know, there's going to be the eight-man divisions and the 11-man. The The thing I'm curious about is how is it going to work? Is it going to be like the MAC where you move, you have, you move up and down? Is it going to be regional-based? Um, but I think that's something that later in the week we need to talk about. I just wanted to mention it now to say, yes, we have seen that, and we're not ignoring it, but we need to get these top ten games in. Um, and also, you don't have to remind anyone about the golf outing. It was this past Saturday. Thank you to everyone who came out and played. Yeah, we had a great time. It was a great event. Um, and we appreciate the uh, the support, and we'll do it again next year. So if you missed out this time, I'll give you another chance that, next that's year. That's the plan, but no more <laughs> shameless plugs. Um, we are going to start. We have, what, do next segment, do 10 through 7, I believe? Uh, you set it up, so you tell me. I think that's how we're doing it. Okay, 10 through so 7. So let's not waste any time because we have highlights of all the games we did, and let's not. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a longer show, but it should be a fun one. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention, the herd takes notice, and the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 800- 250 7520 
Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no-obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810-364-8700. For all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty, small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. If your windows stick, (laughs) slip, (laughs) squeak, or leak, Replace them with Anderson windows with low-E glass, low-maintenance exteriors, and rich wood interiors, standard and custom sizes. They can turn simple window replacement into serious home improvement. Ah. Hi, Chip Mortimer here, inviting you to experience the difference at Mortimer Lumber. Our expert staff will be here to help before, during, and after the sale. Stop by Mortimer Lumber, 24th and Lapeer Avenue in Port Huron. Brady Bean here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at adviacu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Dairy Clean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Dairy Clean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Dairy Clean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. 44 Duraclean by Bachelor. Magna International would like to thank the Blue Water area for welcoming us into their community. We are excited to put our roots down in this beautiful, growing area. As the largest auto supplier in North America, we are thrilled to call Blue Water area home and look forward to many, many years in this wonderful community. Our brand new facility is located off of Range Road in St. Clair, Michigan. Magna is a proud sponsor of Blue Water Area High School Athletics. The YMCA of the Blue Water Area is pleased to announce a Night of Champions Thursday, September 15th at 6 p.m. at the McMorrin Arena in downtown Port Huron. Eight-time Emmy Award winner Mike Doc Emmerich will host with special guests, activities, food, and both live and silent auctions. Tickets must be purchased in advance and are available at the YMCA, 1525 3rd Street in Port Huron. Cost is $100 per person or $1,000 for a table. For more information on a Night of Champions with Mike Doc Emmerich, call the Y at 810 810- 987-6400 extension 132 finding that missing shin guard remembering whether it's a home or away game getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day 
Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things, like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right. Welcome back, Dennis and Brady. Tri-County Equipment, Get Stuck on Sports uh, podcast. Uh, Doing our uh, top 10 games of the uh, season uh, today, this past school year that we just completed. And we had 301 games to choose from. A lot of games. I'm I'm kind of bragging a little bit. Uh, And and we both made a a list. My initial list had like 30 games on it. Well, the the initial list did not have a high bar to, to clear. If we're being honest, it basically were non-blowout games, games that were interesting in the final, the final stretch of the game, because yours had what like thirty-two and I had like twenty-seven, so that's almost twenty percent of our games right there. And then we gradually narrowed it down. My list got down to eight. Yours got down to like thirteen, and we took yeah. those twenty-one games, and we ended up cheating a little bit because we ended up with eleven games. Yeah, the last two we couldn't really decide. Um, it's funny that the top of the list is usually the easier part. Like one through, I want to say four or five was fairly sh- simple. It's like five through, I guess if we went to like 15 or 16, you could really scramble those up, but this is what we came out with. And the first game was a game you did, Dennis, and it was a game that for a half we thought was going to be nowhere near this list. Yeah, the, the the first half of this game wasn't very interesting at all. It was very one-sided. Then the second half, there was a great comeback, a chance actually for the uh, the team that had been trailing all night to win it at the end of regulation, and then the game ended up going to overtime, and the team that had dominated the first half dominated the overtime. But it was a great game, and I think what put the icing on the cake in this one is it was a rivalry game because it's right. Marine City at St. Clair, the first meeting in girls' basketball, uh, so, 60-51 to 51 win for the Mariners in overtime. Yeah, so tied for 10th because we did have two tied for 10th. Tied for 10th, game one, Marine City, St. Clair, girls' basketball. Gottler lobs inside. Saros gets in front, flips it up, scores with 10 seconds to go. We're all tied up. Saros hoop ties it at 48, five seconds to go. And a whistle and a timeout, Mariners, 3.5 seconds to go. Saros has 11 all in the second half. We're tied at 48-48, and we're down to 3.5 seconds to go. The Mariners will have one more opportunity here, and this is the first time that we have been tied since it was 0-0. So they went for the home run ball, and they missed the pass, and it sailed out of bounds on the far sideline. And so it'll come back underneath the Mariner basket for the Saints to run a play here with 3.5 seconds to go. Folks, this is very doable here for St. Clair to steal one tonight. They have never led in this basketball game. But they're in a good situation because pretty much with 3.5 seconds to go, you figure 
they're either going to win it here or they're going to go to overtime. And I think uh, at the start of the third quarter, they would have taken either of those scenarios because they were down by 16. Gottler will be the trigger. They're stacking everybody up near the free throw line here. Now Gottler looking to get it in. Goes to pull. Shot won't go, but a whistle and a foul against Jade Blanchard with 1.6 seconds to go. Cole will go to the line and shoot two here. Nine points for Madison Cole. She's made three free throws tonight, split her last time, and the first one short off the front. So still the Saints can't get over the hump and take the lead. Second chance for Cole with 1.6 seconds to go, and it's an air ball. Whoa, pressure got to her there. 1.6 seconds to go, and again the Mariners. Layla Comet will get it into Volkman. She'll dribble out the clock, and we'll go to overtime. Tied 48-48. Now Comet fires that long baseball pass. This time it works to Blanchard. Blanchard trying to beat Zimmer to the basket. Lays it up. Lays it in, and she's fouled. Jade Blanchard breaks the tie. 50-48 Mariners. 3.26 to go in overtime, and she's headed to the line. Olivia Volkman brings it up now for the Mariners to her Ferone. Ferone takes a look, dribbles around out top. Now hits a cutting Blanchard to the basket, lays it up and lays it in. Great cut by Blanchard and a great pass there from Ferone. 53-49, 27 or 28 for Jade Blanchard tonight. 10 seconds to go. Saros rushes it up. Sends it off on the wing. Malcolm for three. That won't go. Rebound Zimmer. Three seconds to go. Zimmer out top. One second, and time will expire. Here, three will come up short. And uh, Marine City got a scare in this one, but they have a big overtime period and outscoring St. Clair 12-3 in the OT to win the basketball game tonight, 60-51. to yeah, and uh, Jade Blanchard scored 32 of her team's 60 points in that game, and that was really kind of like the the breakout uh, game, uh, Brady. We knew Jade was good, and we knew that she was capable of these things, but up to that point, you know, maybe you'd, you'd seen her score 18 or 20 in a game, but she just dominated that night, especially in the first half. Yeah, there's always kind of that that threshold where you know there's all I mean there's always a handful of players that if they score 15 to 20 you're like you knew they had it in a really good game but once you get to that like 25 30 point benchmark that's when you really only special players can have it I think we only like off the top of my head I know Jamison did I think Sage Slanik had one game where he went bonkers um Caitlin Kane I think did Blanchard did um, I think Mary Langeman did at some point, but there's not a ton that can get to that next level. And that was a great performance, but it was funny because, like, like we said, it was, I think at halftime you texted me at the game something like, all right, well, this game's over. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, let's let's get these 16 minutes off the clock. And St. Clair had a roaring comeback and probably should have won that game at the end. Yeah, uh, the, so it, they had 48 at the end of regulation, they scored 11 in the second half. So they were up 37 to 19, I think, at halftime. Uh, and then it was 48-48 at the end of regulation. They actually, Marine City scored more points in the over the four-minute overtime period than they had in the second half. 
Yeah, it's St. Clair emptied the chambers um, in the second half, and they were, I mean, they were a free throw away from winning that game, and they just couldn't quite get it. And then Marine City was able to hit that reset button going into overtime and, and really put the uh, foot on the throat. All right, they they our, had two yes. really good games this year because the rematch in St. Clair probably could have made this list too. And another game that, I mean, we, we will have honorable mentions later, but I don't think this one was, was one of them we listed. But their district game against Marysville, they gave they gave Marysville their, their best shot in that game yeah. too, St. Clair did. All right, uh, other game we had tied for 10th. If this was our top 10 most cracked out games of the year... <laughs> This would be number one. Dennis, this was a game that I felt like I was in the twilight zone. So it's it was Mooney and Cranbrook. And it, it was one of those nights where just everything was bizarre. So I think it was a, supposed to be a 7.30 tip. And we usually get there about an hour early, right? So I, I think I was running a bit behind. I think I got there at like 6.40 or 6.45. And I come in and I look up and there's like, 30 seconds in the fourth quarter on the clock I go oh my god no I'm it was a seven o'clock tip and I and I effed this up I'm gonna have to scramble and I said to the lady walking in I'm like is, is this is the varsity about to start they go no this is a freshman game <laughs> so first of all an already late start the freshman game went forever, and then the JV game went forever because we had officials that were officiating like it was 1954, and if you breathed on someone, it was a foul. If you even thought about uh, pivoting a little too much, it was a travel, a double dribble. There was a whistle every 10 seconds. So this is a game that didn't get started until probably 8.15, 8.30 at night, and it this is the longest highlights we did because at the end of the game, I could I cut it down a little, but I just had to play the whole thing to just so you could f- hear how in disbelief, how bizarre, how things just kept stacking on top of each other. I had forgotten things until I went back and cut up these highlights because there and and the star of the game to put a cherry on top was a kid named Evan Evans the <laughs> third. That's a great name. Yes. And you know how I, I, I love the great names. Evan Evans the third from Cranbrook, but um, yeah, we have a lot of highlights. So the other one tied for number 10, Mooney and Cranbrook boys basketball. Inbounding from in front of the Cranbrook, Brent's getting a song. Song, few dribbles, have to throw up a half-court heave. He does off the glass and in for Charlie Song. The half-court heat prayer hits, and that makes it third. 13-7, Cranbrook on top of Cardinal Mooney. On the left side, Rice. Up to Hilliker, returns to Rice. He'll let it fly, hand in his face from downtown. Doesn't matter. Trent Rice hits the third three of the night for Mooney. Makes it 19-16, one possession game. At the half, 34-28. A high-flying second quarter. And Cranbrook still holding on to the lead. Brandon McCaskill hands off to Kirsch, and Kirsch from downtown hits a big shot. 13-point lead for Cranbrook. Rice kicks out Trombley, three, good! Big three from Ryan Trombley, cuts it back to single digits, 43-34. On the other end, German for three, and again, 
A huge shot by a Cranbrook player to quell any Mooney momentum. Floats it all the left side to Evans. He'll pull up from three and down the middle for Evan Evans. Fourth three of the game and the buzzer will sound. And as quickly as you felt like Mooney came back, Cranbrook gets some distance, 57-48. Our score going into the fourth quarter. Peruski on the near side, bounces the middle to Evans. Evans hesitates three, and it's good. This kid can't miss. Cranbrook on top. Kirsch in the backcourt, sprinting down the middle. Rice trying to catch up. He goes through contact, and a foul called. No, a charge. Oh, how do you call that a charge? Oh, wow. And that's five on John Kirsch. Oh, wow. 66-59, Cranbrook on top. Kirsch in the backcourt, sprinting down the middle. Rice trying to catch up. He goes through contact and a foul called. No, a charge! Oh, how do you call that a charge? Oh, wow. And that's five on John Kirsch. Oh, wow. No one fell down for Mooney. It looked like Catavera went straight up, and they call the charge on Kirsch. Up top for Rice. Rice finds Ayadisi. Sends across to Everhart. Ball was tipped before it got in his hands. Driving layup. Good for Brian Everhart. Cuts the lead to five. Mike McAndrews tried to call a timeout. He didn't get it. On the left side with it. German. German lost the handle. Back to Mooney it goes. 86 seconds left to go in the contest. 66-61. Cranbrook still on top. Mooney gets the basketball. Rice gives up top, Trombley straight away, three off the side of the iron, rebound bouncing around, rebound by Cranbrook, long feed to Evans, zero step, reverse layup, and one. No, a traveling, wait, traveling called on a euro step. Oh, 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 wow. Two point lead for Cranbrook. And some extra time ran off the clock when the timeout was called. There should be about 32 seconds left to go. And I believe one of the officials noticed. And then, they, wow, they just put 36 seconds up on the clock. Oh. I thought it was about 31 or 32. They added seven seconds back on that clock. Rice on the right side of the court. Wants to attack, crosses over in the paint. Jump stop, wants it up and under, instead kicks out. It is Ayodice and he's blocked and a foul called on McCaskill. He cannot believe it. And I believe that may be his fifth. Second free throw for the tie, Ayodice. Tie ball game! Two for two, inbound, goes to Peruski. He's in the backcourt, Peruski and a foul called on Catavera. Catavera looked like he went for the intentional foul. And Ethan Peruski will shoot free throws. Peruski to take the lead back for Cranbrook. Misses it to the left. Rebound, Catavera. 15 seconds. Mooney with the basketball. On the right side, Trent Rice dribbling straight away just outside the circle at half court. To the right side, drop off Catavera. Reverse layup. Good! Dom Catavera gives Mooney the lead. 
Three seconds left to go. Two seconds and a whistle. An official timeout. They stop the clock for a moment. Are you, oh my gosh. Depends when they blew the official timeout. This game is not over. Cranbrook will get the basketball. It's a matter of where and with how much time left. They stop the clock momentarily. I believe they will put four seconds back on the clock. The official talking with head coach from Cranbrook, Sean Finney. Right now it just says point four. Are they only going to add point four on the clock? And where are they going to give Cranbrook the basketball? It still set, just says point four. Are they not going to add more than point four seconds? I was... If point four is all they give them, wow. Oh, wow. Point four to win it or to tie for Cranbrook. Mooney has led two times, three to two, and right now, 68-66. They're only going to put point four seconds back on this clock. It looks like Cranbrook will inbound on their own side of half court. They're gonna have to do an alley-oop. There's not enough time to catch and shoot. Wittenberg inbounding. Catavera on the inbounder. Wittenberg for the alley-oop. Goes to nowhere, turning, firing, and they're saying out of bounds. Now they run the clock. I mean, if Mooney has the ball out of bounds, the game's all but over. The official's talking about it again. No one touched it. If it touched the end line, it should be Mooney basketball with .4 seconds left. So it's Mooney ball. This has been a great game, but a very bizarre one. I'll recap everything in the postgame show in what might be .4 seconds. Who knows? Mike McAndrews is at half court trying to talk with the officials. They're taking it back to half court. Is Cranbrook going to get another shot at this inbound? They're giving Cranbrook another shot at this inbound. I in I do not understand the process that which it, nope, now the game's over. All right, Moody wins. All right, Cardinal Moody wins. 68-64. Mooney celebrating, Cranbrook's upset, I'm confused. Yeah, so that was um, one of the craziest games I have ever seen. It, was, it wasn't, like, like I said before, and as you just heard in that seven-minute highlights, it wasn't just one singular event. It was anything that could go weirdly wrong did, and, you know, I hope Mooney wins a lot. They're one of the teams we cover. I hope they dominate, especially when they're not playing local teams. There's no reason they should have won that game. <laughs> they had everything go their way. I mean, Dennis, have you ever seen a charge called where nobody falls down? Not an offensive yeah, foul, no. a charge. Yeah, no. The, the, generally, you don't see stuff like what I remember about this because, like every night after games, Brady and I end up talking on the phone for a, at least a little while, just to get on the same page. And 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 he's like, "You remember that 
game in the Olympics in the 70s was, where yeah, the Russians like in, got 12 chances to yeah, win? That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm, I mean, you just heard me explain it, but they threw it and it was. I'm like, okay, it's either tipped and it's Mooney's ball on the baseline or it's their ball where they went to throw it out. But before that, the, the clock operator had like stopped the clock for an, a, sec, a half a second accidentally. There was no reason any less than four seconds should have gone back on the clock, and the officials decided to put .4 seconds, which was terrible. And if I was the Cranbrook coach, I think I would have just sat at half court and said, no, you're giving me more time or we're leaving. Like, because at that point, the game was over. Cranbrook never got a fair shake. Um, but then it looked like they were going to give Cranbrook a second opportunity for no reason. And Mike McAndrews essentially went out in the middle of the court and said, there are two things that are going to happen. The clock winds down and we win because he touched it, or we inbound it from right here. And I think the refs just said, screw it, game's over. And (laughs) if you remember, this got Mooney off, like, I think a two- or three-game losing streak. And, yeah, I know it was a crazy game because usually – um, people start to tune out uh, during the post-game show. Like, oh, okay, the team won. Everyone stayed for the post-game show in this one. It was, it was just ridiculous. And I mean, like I said, Evan Evans, who is a was was a bench player for Cranbrook. He wasn't a three-point sharpshooter that you circled on the scouting report. He was a bench player that had the night of his life in Marine City that night. Um, he had the half-court shot at the beginning of it. You had just some, I mean, there were some bad foul calls that went Mooney's way. Like I said, that charge, that was someone's fifth foul. I think it was their point guard's fifth foul. Yeah, that was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was a great game, and Mooney got the win, so I was happy for that. But um, if anyone tells you that they... They outplayed and deservedly 100% deserved to win that game. Yeah, they're lying to you. <laughs> not that they didn't play well at times, but they should not have won that game. All right. Well, Mooney ends up on our list at number nine. And this is a football game that I did. It was the first round of the uh, playoffs. So Mooney hadn't been in the postseason, I think, 2011 was the the last, the last time, time they were in the eleven man the, playoffs? That they were in the uh, the the postseason. So th- this was a big deal for them because this was a really big turnaround season uh, at Cardinal Mooney for boys sports. Like they had three good seasons this year with baseball. Well, with Technically, basketball. Mooney had made it was made it in 2020, but that was just because that everyone, was everybody made it. That so the last year time they had like earned a playoff spot was actually 2008. Yeah, it was the last time they played an eleven man playoff. So they were trying Against Deckerville. Ironically. They they were trying to win a, a, a playoff football game for the first time in a long time. And what I remember about this game is that they absolutely for three quarters they obliterated Lutheran Northwest, but the score was only six to nothing. A team Be- they had dominated earlier in the year. They 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 threw three red zone interceptions and I had forgotten there was a fourth interception that was taken away on a penalty um but uh so Mooney was kind of their own worst enemy in this game and then in the 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 fourth quarter Mooney ran two offensive plays a pick six that was run back 100 yards Hmm. 
And then on their next play from scrimmage, they had an 80-yard run from Hazen later. And then Luther Northwest got the ball with 30 seconds into the fourth and never gave it back. Yeah. So, uh, so the, 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 this this was a wild one. Number nine. Again, Everhart and Rice, the receivers to either side. Hazen leader, but uh, Taranta is going to roll out. He's got room to run, and he'll walk it into the end zone. Once he turned the corner, there was nobody home, and Marco Taranta will score on the four-yard bootleg to give Mooney a touchdown lead in this one with 43 seconds to go in the first half. Six-nothing Cardinals. Second and goal Cardinals at the Crusader 5 as we open the fourth quarter. Mooney trying to extend a 6-0 lead in this one with a uh, score that uh, would really give them a healthy chance of winning their first playoff game since 2011. Out of an I formation, Rimalowski in front of Hazen leader, receiver to either side, Toronto under center. And he's going to play action and roll out. And he throws, and it's picked off at the goal line. And look out, this is going to be returned the other way, about 100 yards. And just like that, the game is tied at six on a pick six by Burmeister, I believe it was. Unbelievable. The third interception of the game and Burmeister takes it about 100 yards to the house to tie the game. They'll go I-formation with a receiver to either side. I haven't really seen them throw a deep ball yet to uh, Rice or Trombley. Here's a pitch back. Hazen leader to the 25, to the 30, breaks loose to the 40, 45, 50, to the 40, gets away from a man, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, forget it. 80 yards, Brendan Hazen leader. Just like that, Mooney's back on top. No flags. It's 12-6 Cardinals with 11.30 to go here in the fourth. They needed one play from scrimmage, and Hazen leader did it himself. 80 yards gives him 143 on the afternoon, and Mooney wasn't behind for very long. 14 seconds. Two seconds, one second, they're throwing into the end zone. Wide open, and it's a touchdown on the last play of the game as time expires. And the Crusaders have stunned Cardinal Mooney 13-12. They won't need to kick an extra point. And it was the mystery man, number 40, who's not on the roster, who catches an 11-yard touchdown pass on just their third pass attempt of the game. And as time expires... Here at East China Stadium, Cardinal Mooney's season comes to a shocking end. They lose 13-12 to Rochester Lutheran Northwest. Who saw that coming? I did not see that coming, that's for sure. Um, That was an 11-and-a-half-minute, like, 80-yard drive. They through like two passes during the drive, including the one at the end of the game. Here's what I don't get and what I didn't catch initially until I was like playing it back and listening to the highlights. The clock is counting down before that last snap, and there was a penalty on the play before it. What was the clock running the play before? The, the, they're, the They uh, lined up, 
and got uh, called, I think, for a false start or something like that. Was the clock running before that point? I I don't remember. That's what affects. If the clock was running, then you don't get to stop the clock just because you got a false start. So So they they moved them back five yards, and then they set the ball, and they wound the the clock. clock. Okay. Because I was like, wait a minute, didn't wasn't there a penalty the the play before that? And they snapped the the ball out at the eleven yard line. The, the quarterback's running around like he's on fire, and, and he and he pretty much kind of threw it up to the end zone, like sideways, like he wasn't looking at the guy he was throwing it. He was just throwing it. Which it's is like a, I'm going to get sacked or pushed out of bounds, so I'm just going to throw it. Which is a heads up play. Uh, and I think all the Mooney defenders were watching him run around, and they kind of got all. Sucked up like we're not going to let him run down the sideline and beat us. Yeah. And oops, we forgot the kid who's not on the roster is standing all alone in the end zone, and the ball went right to him. Like, you're almost like, oh, he's too wide open. He might not catch this. It's going to hit him in the hands. But yeah, he caught that's it. a tough one. There's a couple games on this list that um, the team we wanted to win didn't. But, I mean, it's a playoff game. Uh, it's. And it's a last-second win in a playoff game. And and just shocking. I yes. mean, it was just shocking. Like, all day long, it was Mooney's winning this game, and right. they were the the heavy favorite. They had played them early in the season and, and beat them by, like, four touchdowns. Yeah, dominated. Um, and, and I just didn't see that coming and didn't want to believe it. And then even on the, even on the last play from the 11 – you're like Mooney's got this. They're they're they just one more stop here because well, they they thrown one pass to that point. You yeah. don't think they're gonna throw another one? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, they they were like two out of three for 14 yards passing, and 11 of it came on the last play. But yeah, just, that's a that's a tough one. So one from Mooney shouldn't have won to one they should have, and they got <laughs> the opposite result. Yeah. So that was number nine on our list. Now to number eight. These next two kind of bookend a season for a team and we didn't really do that intentionally it just kind of worked out that way this game was at the sc4 field house and this was i don't want to say tyler jameson's breakout because we all knew what he was and he'd had a 40 point game before but this was the first time i think he did it in kind of in front of a bigger crowd because there were people there from games before, and there was a lot of people at the field house. He did it on a big stage. It was the main event game of, of this showcase, and his first quarter in this game was absolutely ridiculous. He From Jump Street, he was willing his team, and this is what really kicked off Northern's basketball season. So at number eight, Port here on Northern versus Troy Athens and boys basketball at the SC4 Showcase. They resend it to Jamison. He hustles down the right side, goes up, and a two-handed jam for Tyler Jamison. He turned on the afterburners quickly and just burned the Troy Athens defense. Jamison leaves it for Evan DeLong. DeLong brings it up in the middle of the court. Jamison just to his right. DeLong. Couple of dribbles, picks it up, back door to Jamison, two steps and an emphatic two-hand jam for Tyler Jamison. He's in double digits, well in double digits, and we're only in the first quarter. 13 seconds left, Huskies by five, Athens with the ball. From the right side, Robinson for three, nothing but net. Eight seconds 
Inbound to Jamison. Jamison pushing it up down to three seconds. Jamison crossover, pulls up NBA three. Got it at the buzzer! What a corner for Tyler Jamison! The exclamation point at the horn, and that'll send us to the second quarter. Port here on Northern 22. Troy Athens 17. Viber gets the middle of the lane, off the left hand, gets the foul and the bucket. Second and one so far in the first half for Tyler Jamison. He has 18 points. Pass intercepted by Jamison. Jamison working the other way. The free throw line goes up and leaves the bucket short, gets his own rebound, but puts it off the glass and in. Tyler Jamison with 44 points. Inbound finds Batardo dribbling to the middle. One second, pulls up for three. Misses to the left, Northern holds on and wins. 60 to 57 over Troy Athens. 47 for him, which was a school record. Yes. And then he broke that like 10 days later. Yeah. It was on the stretch <laughs> of a heater where he average, was averaging, I think, like 38 points a game for five games or something. And, you know, it. he had, like I think I said, he scored 40, I think, against PH the week earlier. I, I know he did it to Frazier, too. That might have been after. Yeah, I think that was after that. But it was like, okay, he got 40, and everyone's like, ooh. And it's like, eh. We knew PH was a little down, and I don't think they had all their 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 pieces that night. So you're like, okay, he did it against the PH team. What's Troy Athens? It's a team that's not from here. You know they're supposed to be at least decent. And, yeah, he – I mean, a couple dunks and then the three from the volleyball line that ex- <laughs> that put the exclamation point on the first quarter was, was awesome. And then – he was able to keep them ahead, and that was that was a good win for Northern because, remember, they started off their season a little slow. They got beat up by Lons Cruz North. They got beat up by uh, Catholic Central. And they had one other game that I think they had lost early. They were like 1-3 going into that game. And, and But against tough opponent, like they didn't yes. back down and, you know, play an easy schedule. They played a really tough schedule to, to start the season. They, they did, but they had, they had taken them on the chin, and it's – you're just going, ooh, all right. Well, they're they're struggling a bit. What is this northern team? And then to go in there and do that, you went, okay, maybe they have something here. And well, it kicked off what I think like eleven out of twelve wins or something for them. Yeah, I, I know they won at one point ten in a row. Yeah, they they went undefeated in the MAC uh, blue. And, well, so that was the game that had started the stretch for Northern. But it was the game, Dennis, that you did down in Lakeshore that put the finishing touches on what was basically a month and a half of unbelievable basketball. Yeah, and and it's not often that in the regular season we go, let's go do somebody's road game. Yeah. You know, it's like there are other games in the area – that we could have done that night, but we're just like Northern wins at Lakeshore tonight. They're the blue champs, and, and we was, and we weren't calling this at the and start. Lakeshore's number two in the league. They had I done the game where they had beat them earlier in the season, and they kind of put a stranglehold on them up here. But you know it was going to be a battle down there. So Dennis, you went down, and well, you ended up seeing what finished as our number seven best game of the year. Port here on Northern at Lakeshore in boys basketball. Jamison drains the first free throw despite the chance of overrated in the background. He's now one point from his uncle Scott and tying him for third all time. 
can do it with this free throw. Got it. He now has 1,030 points for the Huskies. Tied third all time. Back out top, it goes to Jamison. They dare him to shoot it, and it's right down the middle. Jamison for three, and it's through. And that gives the Huskies the lead, 14 to 12. From the right wing, Huskies back on top, 21-18. Three-point try by Oasika won't go. And look out, DeLong put the ball in his own basket. How in the world did that happen? Jalen Jackson looking around. Fires inside to a cutting Simmons. Gets loose in front, fires that one, won't go. Rebound tapped out to Maher. He gives it to Jameson. Behind the back dribble at midcourt. Gets by everybody. Lays it up. No, but a step back by Malachi Mitchell following the play. 27-26. Northern down one. 32-29. Shorians. Here's Clark for three, and it's through off the left wing. Jacob Clark very confidently said, leave me open, and I'll tie the game. 32-32. They get it into Jackson, and he's flying. Jackson to the basket. Finger won't go. He missed it. Cole rebounds to Jamison. They'll have to follow him, but there's no time left in the game. It's over. The Huskies are the Mac Blue champs. They've won 10 straight. They're 9-0 in league, and nobody can catch them now. Northern wins it by a final score of 49-47. to Great uh, basketball game. Um, uh, Lakeshore... Should have tied it at the end. Uh, I, I I think the guy rushed thinking time was running out, and he actually had a couple of seconds. He could have just laid it up and laid it in, but it was like, oh, i got to get rid of it. Uh, and he just completely blew the bunny. Uh, but Northern earned the win that night, um, and that's the infamous Malachi-Mitchell game. I've got to get that in there. The, the PA guy did the starting lineups, and he called him Malachi-Mitchell, and – Jokingly, I said that the rest of the year. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love it. That that was a really good basketball. That's the way a game for a league title should be. Right. And you had, obviously, at the beginning of that clip, uh, Jamison becoming, what, number three all-time, which I think by the end of the season, he was the all-time leading scorer. Yes. Uh, and the cool thing also about this game, like, he got his. I think he finished with 28 or 29 that night. Mm-hmm. But other guys made big shots in that game. Uh, I think uh, Clark. Clark knocked down yeah. a three. DeLong, DeLong knocked down a, a three. Like they, they had uh, some big shots in key moments where you're going, all right, everybody's on Jamison because yeah. he's going to shoot the ball here. And they ran plays for those other kids, and they knocked the shots down. Well, that's why Northern got to the point they were. In the Athens game, it was mostly Tyler Jamison. By the end of the run, throughout the Mac Blue season, it wasn't him. It was different guys stepping up, making the plays, and that's why they ended up ultimately going 10-0. First time in school history they went undefeated in league which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So we're, we're up to uh, number six next, right? Yes. Okay, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll pick up our top ten games at number six in just a moment. Get ready for outdoor fun at Alpine Cycles in downtown Port Huron. Skateboards, bikes, longboards, and accessories. They have everything you need to enjoy the warm weather. Alpine Cycles offers the best selection, and they're always getting new daily arrivals. Stop by Alpine Cycles today at 762 Huron Avenue at the corner of Huron and Glenwood, or call 982-9281. 
Open Monday from 10 until 6, Friday and Sunday, noon to 4. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention. The herd takes notice. And the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 250-7520. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. When today is unpredictable, staying focused on your long-term financial goals matters more than ever. Count on your Ameriprise advisor for personalized, goal-based advice to help you navigate now and stay on track for tomorrow. Call Ameriprise financial advisor Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. That's 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at adviacu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval, equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 401863. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. Are you getting out of a lease or ready to trade in your vehicle? Stop by Jepson Car Company and we'll be here to assist you. We are constantly buying out lease vehicles and almost always putting money into your pocket. No matter what you owe, we can help. If you don't see your perfect vehicle in our lot, we will help you find it. Our purchasing team has decades of experience to help find the vehicle that is best for you. Call Jepson today at 810-662-3048 or stop by at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair. 
We welcome you to make Port Huron Schools your district of choice. Your child will experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region at Port Huron Schools. We specialize in providing personalized success for all students because each Port Huron Schools journey is unique and special. This year, more than ever, we truly appreciate our families and would like to thank them for their continued support. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Looking for a new career? Magna International could be the place for you. Located in St. Clair off Range Road, Magna was named one of Forbes 2020 World's Best Employers. Magna is currently hiring a multitude of positions and offers a great work environment with competitive pay. Wages start $17 and up. Apply for jobs at magna.com forward slash careers. Again, magna.com forward slash careers. Get a fresh start with Magna International today. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back, Dennis and Brady. Tri-County Equipment, Get Stuck on Sports podcast. Going through our top 10 games of this past uh, school year. Um, and it, it really, it was easier last year to do it than it was this year. It really was. Well, like last, last year, year, we just kind of rattled off like the first five or six games. Last year, didn't we have had to think about it. four or five absolute all-timers. Not that the top of this list is really good. I think the top three or four are very solid but outside of the top two I don't know if any would crack our top six or seven all time because last year I mean you had Millington Richmond softball a one nothing barn burner we had Marine City uh Marysville football what are the other ones we had on that list oh there was a a a last second goal by PH to upset Marysville in hockey there um uh, what else? we number ten was a buzzer beater uh, basketball game between Cassidy and Sandusky. Yeah, yeah, that that was the game. That was a game that we we're just like basketball starting tonight. And we don't have a game to go to. Oh, I'm going to go to Sandusky just for the yeah. heck of it, and ended up yeah. Uh, the the I I think Cassidy tied it with three seconds or took the lead with three seconds to go, and Sandusky threw it in from half court and made a right. three to win it at the Owasso Marysville was. Up there. Richmond Buchanan. Yeah, Richmond Buchanan. Those were like our top five. And yeah, it was not that these aren't very good games because they very much are. And this next one was everything you want in a rivalry game. It was Port Huron High Northern, the first one. Um, Not the second one. We considered, we almost cheated again and made them both one entry. But we ultimately decided the first one was a barn burner. We had that little extra drama beforehand included in it. And it looked like PH was going to dominate. And then Northern was crawling back. And it came down to the final play. Northern had a lot of opportunities. So at number six, Port Huron versus Port Huron Northern football part one. Official blows the whistle and the run-up, and we are underway. It's a line drive kick. It hits off the front man. Port Huron High recovers. It is a special team's play to start the game. A line drive kick hit off the front man, and it sure looked like a big red fell on it. No signal from the officials, and there it is. Port Huron High on the opening kickoff hits an absolute rocket 
up man or the front line man turned, hit off his shoulder and bounced right to a big red. And that port here on high offense is gonna come out right away. Taking the snap, Oriole's gonna hand it off to Mose. He's got room up the middle, across the 25, cuts back 20. Looking to get the corner, 15, 10, five. He dives for the pylon, did he get it? He did, touchdown Big Reds. Gabe Mose goes in from 30 yards out and the Big Reds strike first in the Crosstown Showdown. From the 39 yard line of Port here on high, third and seven for the Huskies. Out of the pistol, Bloink takes a snap, gonna fake the hand off to Steinhauer. It's gonna be a screen over to Orr. He's got room on the left side across the 35, 30, breaks a couple tackles, 20, 15, 10, five. The Huskies answer back, but there's a flag on the play back at the 30. And Dylan Bloink doesn't look like he's too happy. He's not celebrating. So the band might have to stop. Yep, it's gonna be against the Huskies. Back to punt Hansel. Hansel, low snap, it goes between his legs. He's running to the left and he avoids one tackle. No, he's tackled all the way back at the 16 yard line. There's the special teams play to set Northern up on a short field. It was a low snap. Hansel had trouble picking it up and he could not get it off. Northern will start inside the red zone for the first time tonight. They trail 14 nothing. four and a half minutes left to go in the third quarter. From the right hash, Oreo out of the gun, takes a snap, fakes the hand off to Moe, gonna run up the middle, got rid of the cross, the field, 45 going to the left side, 40, 35 foot race, 25, 20, 15, 10, five, touchdown, Nate Oreo from 54 yards out. Extends the big red lead early in the second quarter. Northern, two yards away from getting on the scoreboard. 2.44 to go in the third quarter. Looking to cut into this 14-0 lead. Same look from the Huskies. Full house look, Steinhauer the deep man. Taking the handoff, Steinhauer, he tries to jump over the pile. He gets tackled into the end zone. Port here on Northern gets their first points and cuts into the big red lead. Northern has to get into the end zone. Barring a penalty, this could be the game. From the 17 yard line of Port here on high, now it's the Big Red faithful getting loud. Under three minutes to go. Potentially for the Mac Blue Championship. Fourth and goal, Big Red 17 yard line. Bloink's gonna be out of the gun. Twi trips to the left. Bloink, snap, looking left, clean pocket. Fires to the corner of the end zone. Intercepted, intercepted. Fort here on highs, Jaden Ashford comes up with the interception. They will take over on downs and a first down will seal it for the Big Reds. 69 yards between them in the end zone for the Big Reds. 27 seconds between them and a second straight Mac Blue title. Empty set for Bloink. Out of the gun, quads to the left, one man to the right, dropping back, rushing six. He's gonna be under pressure. Bloink gets hit. Bloink goes down back at the 20 yard line. 20 seconds, the clock's ticking. Northern's gonna have to get a snap off. Down to 15. Northern's gonna have one play to try to, try to get in the end zone. Down to seven seconds, this will be the last play of the game. Bloink, snap, looking. Three man rush on the Big Reds, still looking. Pressure from behind from Phillips, throws it deep. It is caught by DeLong at the 30 and he's tripped up. And the Big Reds are Mac Blue champions. So 
that was round one. Yeah, which was a them. great game. <laughs> um, decided the Mac blue, and you know, like you said, came down to the final play. Northern had two chances to tie it um, in the final few minutes, and you're you're going. PH is going. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just survive. Just survive. And they ended up doing so. Round two. Well, we thought about putting it on the list, but Dennis. I mean, you could tell them why we didn't. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so round two was the playoff game, the Mud Bowl. Yeah. The, the night that we had all the rain and it destroyed all the fields. Well, the second time we had all in, the rain. In, in, in the area. And uh, and Northern won this game 13 to nothing. Uh, and on that night, that was kind of a blowout. Like, the, this this was – it was one of those nights. Northern got an early touchdown. They came out. They ran the funky offense where they put Falco in the backfield and just snapped the ball. It was almost like a wing T mixed with Wildcat. Yeah. Uh, they, they basically – they put their or four biggest – power eye mixed with Wildcat. Yeah, they put their four biggest players in the backfield and snapped the ball to Falco, and he just followed their blocks. And they scored an early touchdown before the field got just completely obliterated. Now, once the field got obliterated by halftime, you're like, okay, the the Big Reds have the ability to break a play. But when Northern scored their second touchdown, you're like, this game's over. They might bust a play, but they're not busting two plays. Not tonight. Not tonight in this slop. And with Northern's defense the way it was played. Yeah, Northern's defense was not going to allow anything – to, to happen, and I, I I forget what the numbers. I should have gotten the book out and looked, but I think by the end of the game, PH had negative offense. Yeah, and, well, that was part two. Part one was the one, obviously, that made the list because it was just an objectively more entertaining game, I guess, and that's a lot of the criteria we use. But we kind of cheated a little bit for number five. No, this because, had to be well, on the list. Yes, it did. But for a neutral, like a lot of what I do for this list, when I try to get, I go, if a neutral fan just listened or watched the game, would they be entertained? Or where would their level be? That's how I usually try to. But this one was a little different, and it's our list, so we can make these exceptions. But number five might be one of the biggest wins by any team in basketball in the area in a long, long time. This was a game that we didn't think Marysville had really thought they would win, let alone how they won. But when they went into that regional final and put it bluntly, they kicked Lake Fenton's ass. There wasn't anybody expecting it. It was a it was a. It was a high that you were on from the from right after the opening tip, essentially till then you waited for the other shoe to drop and it never did. And it was a great win for that number five regional finals in girls basketball, Marysville and Lake Fenton. Caitlin Kane running point. On the right wing, pulls up a three, and she got it to go! Splashing it, Caitlin Kane! She's got five! Vikings lead by six! Into the paint, Kane up through contact, draws the foul, and one! Caitlin Kane! Viking fans going bananas over on the far end of the court. 
They could not have asked for a better start, 12-4. Miller on the right wing, dribbles around the screen, hands off for Anna Oles. Oles had the ball knocked away by Houchel, recovers it, bounces for Miller, took her a second. She steps up, fires a three, right down the middle for Kara Miller. Oh, she's done that all year in the biggest stage. It's another three. She gets the steal at half court. Down the right side, Kara Miller layup up and in. Miller has the last five. Vikings lead by 17. Smith driving baseline. Reverse layup. Draws the foul. Gets the bucket. It hung on the rim and fell in. Maddie Smith with an and one. Lead has grown to 13 and Smith has a chance to add one more onto it. Miller on the right side. Stops, looking for someone to send it to, finds Kane. Kane from straight away, splashes it from three! Caitlin Kane, her third triple. The lead is now a dozen for the Vikings. Rebound Lake Fenton. Clock down to five. Viking fans on their feet. Three, two, one. Buzzer, Marysville slays the beast. They're going to the quarterfinals. They beat Lake Fenton 61-49 in a statement win in the regional finals. Okay, this sent shockwaves not just through our – this was shockwaves through the state. Um, I'd seen Lake Fenton twice, Brady, uh, the couple of years before the COVID shutdown. They played Marine City. That, that was the Marine City team that had McConnell uh, in a regional game, and they beat them by like 40, and it was surgical. And then we had seen them at the field house earlier that year, and what they did to St. Clair, they should have been arrested for and put in jail, uh, 81 to 18. And they didn't even have their whole team there. They had six kids there that day, and they scored 81 stinking points and made like 19 threes, something stupid like that. I mean, this Lake Fenton team was supposed to do to Marysville right. what Marysville did to them. Yeah, and it was one of those things you're like, well, may, what I said before, I'm like, if they can keep it low scoring, if they muck it up and they can keep it under 40 or 45 points, they'll have a chance. From the opening tip, they were, I mean, what did I say? They were up 11 to 2 at one point, 11 to 4. And then you go, okay, like you're excited. I, I remember I'm there, I'm in Ortonville, Brandon. I'm like, yes, I'm excited, good for them. And then you go, and then I go, wait, temper expectations. They're going to make a run. And they'd make a run of four points, and then Marysville would make a play. And then at h- halftime, they just kept getting knocked back, and they. Dennis, they didn't know how to respond. They had walked in that gym. You will not convince me otherwise that their only criteria for getting that trophy was showing up to Ortonville Brandon. They didn't expect Marysville to play the way they did. Because remember, Marysville had to fight an ugly slot fest to get through Cranbrook the two nights before or whenever they played. They didn't look like a threat to knock off Lake Fenton. So they didn't expect Marysville to put up any fight. They went, oh, we beat St. Clair by 60, and they had to struggle to beat them in the districts. Okay. They weren't expecting that, and they weren't expecting the crowd that came with Marysville because they packed two buses full of students, and they were loud for the whole game, and they didn't like that. 
They didn't like the atmosphere, the intensity that was coming from the Marysville side, both on and off the court. And they they were stunned the whole time, and they never really gave a counterpunch. Every time they tried, Marysville, someone would hit a three, someone would get a turnover. I think I had the, uh, the Kara Miller five points in like 10 seconds on there, came back, and it was just there's only one way to describe it. It was an ass kicking. <laughs> it was. Uh, and that's why it had, like I, I, I said to Brady as we were putting things together, I said, it can be number five, but it has to be on the list just simply because of what it was. Like, that's, is that, that's the biggest win in girls basketball in Marysville history, maybe? Yeah, it was their first regional title ever. And it was against a team that had, not just regional title aspirations. That was kind they of had the state bar. title. They thought they could win the state championship, and it was a team that remember two nights before had done what we kind of thought they could do to Emily City, and they dissected them. They took care of business, and Emily City was done, and they went out kind of with a whimper. And I remember going to Ortonville Brandon, or when we looked at the regional and we were trying to schedule ahead, we went ah uh, Lake Fenton's in this regional. That's where the run ends for girls basketball because yeah. those were the teams left. And Marysville just dominated them. And again, I will give credit to Coach Rathje. His in a big moment, those that it's a, a lot of the same group of girls that went on the softball run and played volleyball, made runs there. So they weren't afraid of the big stage, but having that calming presence on the bench helped them a lot because even when they were doing well, they never got too high either, not just too low. So that was that was just maybe the best win where you got to stick out your chest a little and go, yeah, yeah, that's our team that did that. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, that's one, too, that, that can be a proud area yes. moment. Like, you know, other teams in our area were going, yeah, way to go, Mary. And, and I know a lot of teams um, – in like Fenton's league, were going, yeah, Marysville. <laughs> Marys, um, usually, when we get to the top of the list, playoff games mean the most. I mean, look, look, look at what we've had. We've had te- games that are either really big rivalry games, games that affected league championships, or playoff games. This one is none of them, Dennis. This is a game that didn't affect league standings wasn't in the postseason, and ultimately didn't really affect anything standings-wise or postseason-wise at all. No, it, and it was, that tells it, you it was just a doubleheader between two area teams who don't play in the same league who decided to get together and play a couple games. Yes, and you got to see it, and these are going to be the shortest highlights, but this might have been one of the best single-game performances by anyone we saw in any sport this year. Well, it, it, it was two young ladies got – got together and and one was doing so well that we weren't really I wasn't really paying like I was saying eh, you know but I wasn't making the big deal I was focused on the person who ended up losing right so at number four Marine City versus Richmond in softball swing there's a drive out to left center field this is well hit way back and gone how about that for the first hit of the day for Marine City? A home run to left center for Jocelyn Dietlin. Breaks up the no-no and gives the Mariners a one to nothing lead. 
Jocelyn Dietland runs into one. Talk about helping your own cause. That ball was hit hard, and it gets over the fence for a go-ahead home run here in the seventh. So they broke up the perfect game with the walks in the sixth, and they break up the no-hitter and the shutout with a dinger here with one out in the seventh. Oh, my goodness. Dietland's got power, but I just didn't think Marine City was going to get anything off Katie Shoeboy today the way she's been pitching. So we'll do it again on one and two with two outs and a runner on. Now the one-two. Swing and a miss on a high piece of cheese. Dietland strikes out Shoeboy to end the ball game, and the Mariners get one hit against Katie Shoeboy, and it's enough because it leaves the ballpark. one nothing the final here in game one. For- so Katie Shoeboy had a perfect game with two outs in the sixth and lost it with a couple of walks, and she had the no-hitter with one out in the seventh and gave up the Dietland home run. That was her only blemishes of the game. Her line was seven innings, one run, one hit, two walks, 14 strikeouts. And the loss. And the loss. <laughs> because and, and the whole while, you know, Dietland's twirling. She threw a complete game, four-hit shutout. I think she walked one, and she struck out seven or eight uh, in the ball game, including the last two hitters of the game, and she had the home run. It was like wow! At, at the end, I'm giving Jocelyn Dietland player of the game, and you've been you hadn't been and focused I've been, on her. I haven't. Yeah, it's like I've been saying, oh, she's doing a great job. She's yes. you know, you're not ignoring her, her but the, she's holding her team in it. But, but you're like, yeah, Shoe, Shoe Boy's not going to get touched today. Like, I, I really thought she was going to – and the walk that broke it up in the sixth, he could have called it a strike, and nobody at that field would have said boo. He could have called the pitch a strike. Like, I thought he, he squeezed her a little bit. <laughs> so but that's – I mean, again, that just tells you how great this game was because if this is a playoff game, if this is a district game, if this is for a league title, it might be number one. Yeah. Uh, and because that does play into it is how much does the game mean? Because think about the games we mentioned from last year. State championship, league championship, playoffs, playoffs. So, But too good to be ignored, though. So we had to throw that one in there. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that is, if it wasn't for Tyler Jameson scoring 59 points in a game, that is hands down the best performance of the year. It's still, it's. If we had awards, like an award show at the end of the year, I think there would be two big factions, the Dietland faction and the Jameson faction, debating well, which I one mean, you do is boy, the best I think we'd, we'd, we'd weasel out of that by doing a, uh, a boys and a girls <laughs> winner, and Jameson yeah. would be the boys winner. Obviously, 59 points is ridiculous. And by the way, that one doesn't make the list. No. Because the game was a blowout. Yeah. And by the way, in that game, didn't someone else have like 35? Uh, the, the kid for Cousineau scored 29. Yeah. And I can't even remember his name because Jameson had 59. Because he doubled him. <laughs> anyway. Um, number three. This will be the last one we do before the break. This was a postseason game. This was a rivalry game. It's a game that ended with a little bit of controversy. It was the third time around these two teams had met. And if this game goes a little differently, 
Number five on the list never happens. It's it's uh, the district finals between Marysville and Marine City. Remember, the first two times they played, the first time Marysville boat raced them in the first half, and then Marine City just couldn't claw back in the second. The second time they played, Marine City gave them a good punch in the second quarter, took the lead, and then a then a steal and a basically a buzzer beater gave Marysville the lead right before the half, and then they boat raced them in the second half. So Marine City had played two good halves in two games against Marysville, but couldn't quite get it done. In this one, there were some really nice performances. There was an unlikely player that stepped up, hit some big shots for Marine City, but... We'll talk about how it ended, but at number three, district championship in girls basketball, Marysville versus Marine City. Chloe Austin sends left side for Isabella Volkman, right wing, Olivia Volkman, three, up three, good, right on cue for the sophomore, Olivia Volkman makes the score 15 to nine. Volkman gives to Laboon, Laboon high post, trying to back down Olds, pass stolen away by Miller. Miller racing down the right side, uncontested layup, up and in for Kara Miller. The junior gets her first bucket and the marries the lead, ties its largest of the night with nine. Miller wanted a post feed instead, sends up top. Kane all day to fire a three. She cashes that in. Off the glass, missed everything. Rebound, Wolters put back, high glass, in! And one, Avery Wolters. To the short corner, Dietland. Dietland turning the corner, double team. Kick out Olivia Volkman, her three up, her three down the middle. Olivia Volkman, her second triple of the night, fourth for Marine City, lead back down to six. To the free throw line, kicks out Olivia Volkman again for three, and again, Olivia Volkman hits a big time shot. 37-32, Olivia Volkman with nine. Olivia Volkman, corner three, too strong. Volkman gets her own rebound, tips it to Dietland. Dietland in the paint, goes up through contact, and one! Jocelyn Dietland makes it a one-possession game, and she's going to the line for one more. Dietland has 11 to make it a one-point game. Again, 36 seconds left to go in the district finals. Second shot up, second shot down the middle. Timeout, Marine City. Oles. Triggering from the far baseline. She cannot run the baseline anymore. Ball floated in. Bella Volkman gets the steal. Miscommunication with the Vikings. Gives it back to Mary's Marine City. Driving. Shot up. Charge called again. Both sides celebrating. The charge was called on Jade Blanchard. Inbound for Marine City. Comet throws up a prayer. Misses to the right. And Marysville, your 20. 22 district champions. So, all right, we, we've talked about that. We talked about it when it happened. Um, has your opinion on that call changed one bit? 100% of charge. I saw one side at, at, when it happened, I wasn't sure. It's in real time. I'm sitting up in the one of the camera wells at Marysville. Hard to tell. When I saw the replay... If there was review, 1,000% would have stayed a charge. It was it was a good scouting report by Marysville. Did the right thing. And that's a tough thing to do in a big moment going up to try to tie the game. Slides over and t- trying to take a charge. Yeah, and that was the fourth time Jade Blanchard had been called for a charge. Yeah, it was, it was the right call. It was a... Uh, it was a, I don't want to say controversial, 
because it was 100% the right call. However, in at the time, you're going, oh my God, if they call that an and one, Marine City might win that game. Yeah. So, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was a <laughs> lot of fun. It was too it's what you wanted out of a district championship game. It was two rivals that, you know, had already played twice, going at it third time all the marbles in one of their gyms. It was one of the most packed gyms I had seen all year. The place was loud. You had some again really nice performances. Volkman who stepped up, I think hit three threes in the game to keep Marine City in it when it looked like Marysville was going to try to pull away. Um, it was just it, it wasn't the cleanest played game, but that last quarter really elevated it and that was a grind of a district for Marysville as I mentioned earlier in the show they did not beat St. Clair very handily and against the team that they had done that to earlier in the year I believe there was a uh, similar travel charge and one situation in that game that would have brought St. Clair within like two or three in the final minute. Instead, it went the other way. Free throws made it like an eight or nine point game. And that was curtains on that one. Then you had the charges in this one. Um, yeah, it was it was a really fun district there. And it was a really talented Marine City team that just had happened to be in the league the same year you had a historical marysville team there yeah all right well we still got our top two games uh to uh go and we'll do that when we come back and some honorable mentions Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no-obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810 364 87 for all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty. Small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. Hi, Chip Mortimer here. So much depends on your roof. Mortimer Lumber proudly features the Landmark Series shingle from CertainTeed Roofing. Landmark shingles come in many colors to surely enhance the look of your home. Landmark shingles offer a limited lifetime warranty, so you can be assured your roof will last for generations to come. Stop by Mortimer Lumber at 24th and Lapeer in Port Huron. Our expert staff will be glad to help answer all of your questions. Mortimer Lumber has locations in Port Huron, Emily City, Sandusky, and Bad Axe. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit at Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Brady Beaton here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. 
Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, Overhead Doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead Doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810 this is Lucy Harris. I'm a class of 2022 senior and I play on the golf team at Port Huron Northern. As a Port Huron school student, I had the opportunity to participate in the most extracurricular and academic opportunities in the region. I can even earn free college credits from the Blue Water Middle College. At Port Huron Schools, I am treated as an individual and my teachers care about my specific needs. After graduating, I plan to study abroad and attend college to eventually become a teacher. That's my Port Huron School story. What will yours be? Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Hi, this is Dr. William Brady with Life Care Chiropractic in Algonac. If you've been suffering from symptoms of pain or discomfort, I can help. Come visit my staff and I so we can provide relief and help you live a higher quality of life. We're on Point Trumbull Road next to Rite Aid in Algonac. We've got your back in Algonac. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years. They have the area's best selection of pickups and SUVs. And now Kaywood Auto is offering corrosion-free rust proofing. Call 987-3030. That's 987-3030 to make an appointment. Voted 2021 Best of the Best and President's Award winner plus 2022 Dealer of the Year, Kaywood Auto is open Saturdays 9 until 2. Visit www.kaywoodauto to make an appointment. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington. A family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. Still our top two games to go, but you want to mention a few that didn't make the list that we considered. Yeah, let's – Um, because these were some that, well, one would have made the list – but uh, due to technical problems, the game wasn't recorded, so we didn't want to have a game with no highlights. That was Port here on Brown City Basketball. That was at SC4. Curtis Stanley hit a buzzer beater to win. Probably would have been on the list. Yeah. So I want to apologize for that one. We did not forget about that one. Speaking of Brown City, when they played Cross-Lex, that was a game I considered putting on there because that was when Gaden Muxlow 
went Superman mode in the third quarter and took the lead. They were winning, I think, by six in the fourth, four or six in the fourth quarter. And that was the first time Croslex had looked human. In since we've been doing this, especially in a regular season game, and you're going, oh my God, is Brown City going to do this? And then Croslex turned on the Jets at the end and came away with the win. But that was a really good game. That very, I mean, that was yeah. one we debated putting up there. I had two other Croslex games, and maybe they're on your list. The good. one was when you went to see them at SVSU against Reese. Against yeah. Reese, when they were um, down by like. 18 in the first quarter and then one by 20. Yeah, and then the the Goodrich, Goodrich game, yeah. Yeah, that one was more of, ah, that one left a really bitter taste in my mouth. No, <laughs> no, too bad of a result. It was like, ah, you were hoping for more and it just never happened. Yeah. Because you came into that going, maybe we'll get an all BWAC regional final and we got neither. Um, another basketball game that was kind of, under the radar, two teams we don't talk a lot about at all at SC4 was Peck and Merritt. Yes. And for three quarters, New Haven Merritt was ahead of Peck. It they was, were blowing them out. Yeah, they got up by what? Like, they was up by like six at the end of one, and it was up by 10, and they were up by, I think, 17 going into the fourth. And I'm going, oh, well, Peck needs to get off to a strong start, thinking in my head, yeah, okay, there's no <laughs> chance. And then Peck started hitting threes. And New Haven Merritt couldn't throw a pebble into the ocean. And you're going, all right, it's down to 12 if they get a stop in a bucket. And they get a stop in a bucket. They've cut it to single digits now. And they get another stop. And another three. It's a two-possession game. And then they take the lead. And New Haven Merritt, they had two kids on that team that were Jordan and Pippen for three quarters. And then we're Jordan and Pippen, Wizards and Trailblazers <laughs> at the end. Because Merritt didn't score in the fourth quarter. They, they didn't make a basket. They, make they a made a couple of free throws. Goal. I think they made two free throws yeah. in the fourth quarter. And Peck came back and won. And that was just one game that, again, we did We did every game at SC4 except for one that weekend. And, yeah, it was, it was a really good game that I wanted to give a little love to because our Pirates up there in Peck – Deserved it because that was the only game we had for them this year, and they made it a good and one. They made a, a great comeback. Uh, the Lady Big Reds didn't make our list, but uh, there were at least three times they could have. One was the Goodrich win at the Fieldhouse. Yes. One was the home win against Dakota, and that playoff game, I for, forgot about the Anchor Bay game, went to overtime where yeah. Julia Gilbert, you want to talk about great performances, Somewhere in the middle of the fourth quarter, she said, put the we're, team on we're, my we're not losing this game if I have to do it myself. And then she did it herself. Yes. Another one that I had had written down for honorable mention was a hockey game. There was a few, but the one that really stood out to you was Northern and Ike. Yeah, the, the that was the game where uh, Matt Monahan scored three, and he got the go-ahead goal with about three minutes left in the third. Um, and then the Huskies got an empty netter with like 15 seconds to go to win that game, four to two. But that was a great hockey game. That whole district up until the final game was a really good district. Northern had beaten um, Utica three to two in a really good game, uh, and then they got the four to two win over Ike. And in between. Anchor Bay and Marysville played a game that Marysville won a thousand to nothing, except for the fact that uh, Danderand made 
997 saves and his team won four to three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was a few hockey in there. Um, we already talked about Port here on Northern Two, a game you did, Ugly Beale City. Yes, that was in football. That was the 12-7 game in the semifinal. Freezing day at Flint Beecher, um, sitting out on an aluminum bench calling the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it and, and I thought Ubley was going to come back. They started the last drive with like a 25-yard completion into Beale City territory, and I thought, oh, my goodness, Ubley's going to pull this out. And then Beale City got like three sacks in a row to put the game away. We did a lot of baseball this year, but there weren't a ton of amazing games. Armada Richmond was one we thought about in the regular season. That was on a day that was probably as cold as that ugly <laughs> yeah. City game. It was like the only game that didn't get canceled due to cold. Uh, Richmond, St. Clair in the district final. But a lot of our big games, they were good, but they weren't that classic. You know when you get that feeling and you leave a game and you go, I just watched an all-timer. Like you know you get you only get those maybe once or twice a season. Like the next two games you definitely felt that. Yeah. Um I just had one one more. Well, for, I was, okay, go me. ahead, give your one. Uh that was that, and that was a softball game again. It was two area teams. It didn't mean anything cuz it was Northern playing Crosslex so it doesn't affect the standings. It was right at the, the last week of the season. But Crosslex was up 9 to nothing in the fifth inning and Northern came back to take a 10 to nine lead. And then Crosslex walked it off in the last at bat and won the game 11 to 10. Speaking of walk-offs, we had Northern getting walked off by Port here on high softball. That was a really good game that I did. Um, Richmond Millington is another good game. Had the score been reversed, probably would have at least maybe would have been fighting for the list, but it gave you a little bit of a, a bad taste in your mouth. This one also gave us a bad taste in our mouth, but it was too good and on such a big stage we couldn't ignore it. Our second best game of the year, Algonac Millington Softball State Semifinals. Stevenson, right hand hitter again. She's about midway in the box, bent at the knees. Swings at the first pitch and hits a drive. Way back in center and gone! Ella Stevenson jumped on the first pitch and hammered it way out of here. And the Muskrats take a one to nothing lead. And there are no mistakes at home plate. Stevenson stomps on the plate and then is mobbed by her teammates who made a half circle behind the plate and waited. They were not going to have any mistakes there. one nothing Muskrats, the first hit of the game is a Stevenson bomb. Bostner a little further up in the box here on one, two. Swing, there's a drive to left. Well hit, but the wind is going to knock it down. But the ball does land on the warning track up against the fence. Bostner makes the turn, headed for third, head first dive, and she's safe. A triple for Sierra Bostner to lead off the sixth for Algonac. One-nothing Algonac, but they've got a runner at third with one out here in the sixth. There's a ground ball into the hole. Holmes backhands from her knees, throws to the plate. Bad decision. Everybody's safe. Thomason will hold at first, the fielder's choice. And an RBI scores the run and gives the Muskrats a 2 to nothing lead in the game. The 0-2 pitch to Fessler. Swing and a hot smash up the middle into center field for a base hit. Stevenson's going to come up throwing. Cut off by DeLang and the run will score. 
It's actually a good play by DeLang. Keeps the potential tying run at first base, but Fessler comes through with a two-out RBI single, and Millington's right back in the game. It's now a two-to-one score. Muskrat's got a run in the first and a run in the sixth. Millington's only run came in the bottom of the sixth. Swing. There's a drive in the center. A base hit. Stevenson around third. She'll score standing. J.C. Reams with a clutch. Two out. Two strike base hit to center. Makes it 3-1 Muskrats. The freshman comes through. Balmerito slams it in the glove twice this time as she stares out to center. Steps back to the slab. The 0-2 pitch to Zeal. Swing, line shot towards the gap. That one's down, off the warning track, off the wall. One run in, here comes the second run. The game's tied. It's a long single for Zeal. How she didn't get to second base on that play, I don't know, but it drives home both runs. Dickey and Shannon Zeal score, and we're tied at three. There's a swing, there's a drive towards the gap. That's down. Vossler in right field has to track it down. They're going to try to score the run. Throw to the plate. Not in time. Millington walks it off. An RBI double by Coleman. And amazingly, Millington comes from behind here in the bottom of the seventh to shock Algonac. Four to three. Unbelievable end to this ball game. And unfortunately, the Algonac Muskrats are stunned. They weren't the only ones stunned. I, I was stunned at what happened there. Bomarito was untouchable for the first five innings. She gave up two weak hits, uh, and then they had six hits off of her in the last uh, two innings. But when J.C. Reams had the single in the top of the seventh, it was like, okay, Algonac's going to win. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, we just talked about this a lot, but, I mean, yeah. But uh, it just it, it wasn't meant to be that day, um, and yeah, th- that that one hurt. Uh, Millington went on to win the state championship, so I don't know. Does that lessen the blow to you? Or see, no, <laughs> no, because it no. makes me feel like yes. if Elkanak gets there, they're going to win the state because title. Because if, if if Millington gets there, and let's just say they lose nine to one to Everett. Then you go, all right, so it would have been nice to win, but we delayed our we delayed our execution by a day. And instead it's uh, we could have done it. But the good news is for Alconac, they have a lot of, of the team coming back. But I know it's such a stinger, but just like Marysville Owasso last year, I think that was number two. It's just too good, objectively too good of a game yeah. to leave off the list. Because, I mean, the Stevenson home, I hadn't gotten the words out of my mouth to Mike Gallagher to saying, that's the girl going to Michigan, watch out. Then, bang, foo, onto the highway behind, or the road behind yeah, the, the uh, A no doubter. Like a no doubt. As soon as you heard, bonk, it's yeah. like, oh, okay, one nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone went, Oh, oh, she is that good. Yeah, and it was it was incredible that start, and yeah, it's, you just had your hopes up, and then to have it ripped out. But again, we had talked about this before. The thing that lessened the pain a little bit for me is knowing how they had gotten there, and that they had just done something similar, and because they won that game, 
that gave it the edge over this one, and that made it our number one game of the year. Dennis, I mean, yeah. you did Grass Lake, Algonac. That was, I mean, what is it, our fourth to last game we did or third, second to last Yeah, the, the this, game that went off the air. This was the quarterfinal. And um, this uh, this game, it started out like Algonac wasn't going to get anything done. Like the girl was going to dominate them, and she wasn't really – she didn't strike me as a dominating pitcher, but she was getting yeah. it done. And then there was controversy, mm-hmm. uh, and then and there was constant excitement throughout yeah, and uh, this Yeah, they came game. back, and they got knocked back down. And Well, anyway, we'll get to the highlights, but the number one game of the 2021-22 school year – Algonac Grass Lake softball quarterfinal. Now the 0-2 pitch due to Olivia Turner. Swing and a high fly ball. Well hit to left. Going back is Thaler near the warning track, and she can't hang on to it. It bounces off her glove. She's struggling to pick it up. The run is going to score, and it's going to be an RBI double off the bat of Turner and a 1-0 lead for Grass Lake. Pomerito again, ready to go from the third base side of the slab. Deals, there's one pushed back up the middle, and that'll get through into center field. A base set will score the run and make it 2-0 Grass Lake. The 1-2 pitch, swing, and a fly ball out to center. This is well hit. Stevenson back, way back, and it's gone. On a 1-2 pitch, Postuma bangs one out to center. A solo home run makes it 3-0 Grass Lake. So officially, she's one for one. This is a tough hitter. Swings, drive to right. This is well hit. Over the head and over the fence. Gone! A grand slam home run to right field for Bree Thomason. And the Muskrats take the lead here in the fifth, four to three. A line drive. She smoked it. But I didn't think that was going to get out of here. I thought it was going to hit the fence about midway up, and it was just high enough to clear the barrier. And it is a 4-3 lead now for Algonac, and the umpires are having a meeting now. And I'm not sure what this is about. They wouldn't dare take away a grand slam here, would they, for something cheap like a hand slap or something like that? They are talking about it. Right now, they've only put two runs up on the board instead of four. And still, that would score three runs. Unless it was the runner in front of Thomason. So, they're going to have the coaches meet with the umpires to try to figure out what just happened here. Bree Thomason with the bases loaded, lines one over the right field fence for an apparent grand slam home run, but apparently something's happened on the base paths or at home plate that may negate the grand slam. And they have called an out, and right now the scoreboard says the score is now 3-2. to two. We're not getting an explanation So they are saying only two runs. So that means it was Vossler who did something incorrectly. And uh, so it'll be a two-run triple officially in the books for Thomason instead of a grand slam. 
Boyd's the important one. She's the tying run. Bomberio swings. Base hit into center field on a bounder. Boyd around third. She'll score. The Muskrats tie the game. Turner reached on an error in the uh, first. It was a big play. She had a fly ball out to deep left that was dropped at the warning track. It scored a run, and then she eventually scored. And then she flew out to center in her second at-bat. Swings here and hits a fly ball deep to center. This is going to break the tie, maybe. Stevenson caught it at the fence. I think. No, they're saying it's gone. Oh, I thought Ella Stevenson brought that one back. And it just got off her glove, and it's a home run. And Grass Lake retakes the lead on a Turner bomb, starting the bottom of the sixth. The big run is the runner at third. That's Thomason. There's a swing. Line drive into right. Base hit. Thomason scores. They're going to send home the second runner. And the Muskrats take the lead. Dee DeLang lines a single into right, scoring two. One out to get. And it has been elusive for both teams. Grass Lake couldn't get it in the top of this inning. Can Algonac get it in the bottom of the inning? Salt's a right-hand hitter. Swings. Ground ball to second. Thomason's got it. Flip to DeLang at first. She'll scoop it out of the dirt. And Algonac will advance to the semifinals. You know, and, and when you think about Algonac and, and when we talk about their season, we say Stevenson, we say Bomarito, we say Thomason, and Thomason had her imprint yeah, on this Bossler. game. But D. DeLang, who was pinch hit for in her at-bat prior um, because she had struck out twice, they let her hit that next time, line drive rocket, no cheapy. A line drive rocket into right to drive in the two runs to win that game. And then the play she made at the end of the game, Thomason kind of spiked that throw to her from second base and D dug it out of the dirt on the bounce. It was a good play that goes unnoticed. But with without it, if she doesn't dig that ball out, they might tie the game there. They've, they've got runners on and chaos starts and right. – you know, the ball gets away or, or, or whatever, you, you might be in big trouble there. So it, it's kind of a, a play that you nobody really thinks about, but go back and look at it. It was a big play. Isn't it funny that games number 300 and 301 ended up being number one and two on our list? <laughs> that if we stopped, Not intentionally. <laughs> if we stopped at number 299, our list would have looked a lot different. I mean, it might have been Mary's over. We would have had a pretty big debate for number one. Yeah. Because one, I mean, you get one and two. You don't, you know, you don't put as much thought into three, four, scramble them up. As long as they're all in there, you're not going. Well, this one's definitely number three. But number one, number two, you put that lot of emphasis on it. I Maybe think, it was recency bias, but yeah, I, I, I think that helps too. That those are the two freshest games in our mind. But I was entertained. Yes, that was, I mean, those were two games where you, you were down to the last strike. I mean, the only things that can beat that are buzzer beaters or last play victories, and the one last play victory in football we had was... The bad the guys wrong, won. Yeah, the bad guys won. <laughs> we didn't have any, like, last-second hockey goals like we did um, the year before. It was a lot of really good games, but... I don't know if it was – we just had a few – we were really spoiled last year. Yeah. And I guess I'll have to ask you this question before we wrap up. Do you think that game could dethrone Marysville Marine City football? 
Oh, no, you know, we still haven't had that game. That that game was a special game. Because I think the other thing that helped that is we had like a month of hype before it. Yeah. Very rarely do you hype something up to the level I did for that game that and then it pays off. Yeah. We we hyped games this year that didn't ended up not even coming close. Uh I'll I'll, I'll one that we we need to mention or they'll never forgive us was the Crosslex Armada football game where it rained and Crosslex didn't even throw a pass. They didn't and complete a pass. And they, they tried still to throw won a pass the game. <laughs> oh, one we didn't mention in the honorable mentions that I want to make sure. Crosslex St. Clair football. Because this is one we we both saw it and we both came away thinking different Differently, things. Differently, yeah. Because I saw that game and I go, St. Clair threw the kitchen sink at them and it still wasn't enough, but they... St. Clair left everything out there. They had 12 straight goal-to-go stops, which th- against a it's against a Crosslex offense is ridiculous. And it was on turf. It wasn't in a mud bowl. It was in good conditions. And the St. Clair defense kept them in that game for th- basically three and a half quarters. And that, that was my thing. It, it was the St. Clair defense, that's maybe the best performance we've seen by anybody this year. And they lost. They, they lost 20-8. to eight. But they didn't get any offense that game, and I never felt like they were a threat to win the football game. I always felt like, well, Croslex is going to win, just not by as much as they probably should have. Yeah. And another – well, a couple oddity games was you had an 8-6 to six football game. You saw a game where a team that didn't score a touchdown won a game. Yeah, the, the team that did score the touchdown lost 8-6. to six. Um, which which was a, a weird one. East Point Northern. Yeah, East Point Northern. I saw a game this year where a team went for it on their own side, inside their own 40, six times and got stopped all six times. And because of it, they got blown out uh, 43 to 8. That was Mooney beat Liggett. And Liggett just gave it to him. Just said, here, here you go. Score as much as you want on the short uh, field. Um, I also had a team leading 2 to nothing at one point in the football game. And they ended up losing forty-one to two. Yes, that was, <laughs> that was a sad weird. one. That was a sad one. <laughs> no, but it was just weird. Yeah, there were there were some weird things that happened, and I'm sure we'll do. Well, we might not do a show like that uh, because we were just talking about how we want to book out the interview, and we were kind of reverse engineering our summer schedule. If we can do it, I think we're going to have a really fun summer. I don't yeah. want to overpromise because I don't know if we can deliver, but if we can, we say summer's the slow time. I don't know if it'll be the slow time. I think I think it'll be a, a fun time, but it sound it looks like we'll get Mike Gallagher on on Wednesday, and I think we're just going to dive in head first. One, I think there's going to be at least a little more news on the Sandusky name front, and two, I think we're going to geek out about the Thumb Super Conference possibility and see exactly what it is and what it could be, and maybe we can just throw our two cents in because that's what we are. We we throw our two cents in everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. All right, you got anything else? I have nothing else. All right, so those were our top ten uh, games you want of me to the, go over uh, the, list the year. One more time, yeah, you, you, real quick here. Okay, real quick, because I know we've gone long. Tie for ten was St. Clair Marine City girls basketball and Mooney Cranbrook boys basketball. Number nine, Lutheran Northwest versus Mooney football. Number eight, Northern versus Athens boys basketball. Number seven, Northern versus Lakeshore boys basketball. Number six, High versus Northern football. Number five, Marysville Lake Fenton girls basketball. Number four, Marine City Richmond softball. Number three, Marysville Marine City girls basketball. 
Uh, number two, Algonac Millington softball. Number one, Algonac Grass Lake softball. All right. Uh, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday when we're going to have another fun show for you. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.